One of the most prolific talkers of all time was Mr. Jim Ross. He made some news uh, this past week. He was pretty critical of Johnny Ace. Uh, we talked about on his podcast, Grilling JR, the developmental process with WWE, how OVW became a thing, even before that, the Funk and Dojos and Deep South, and of course now NXT. But we couldn't talk about that without talking about his successor for his position as the head of talent relations. And of course, Johnny Ace came up. And Jim Ross had this to say, I had a hard time as time went on trusting Laurinaitis. That's sad to say I hired him. I gave him a job when he needed it. I didn't think he treated me quite right. He just wanted to show Vince that he was a better manager than Jr. and all these things. So now his ass is without a job and he deserves the goddamn misery that he's living that I perceive he's living. And I didn't like how he treated me. Now that quote went pretty viral. So when we taped again, uh, the episode that folks are going to listen to tomorrow and people have already got a sneak peek of, I said, Hey man, do you regret saying what you said about Johnny Ace? And he said, Oh, I'm in it. I just don't believe that's how you repay somebody for their kindness. Here's a guy that was out of a job, had a young family. I hired him as my number two guy in my department and how it ended up was typical chicken shit pro wrestling. Look, if the guy's a better manager than me and he signed more stars than I, then so be it. I don't believe that to be accurate. His goal, like a lot of the boys was to get close to the boss. Well, you know, Johnny Ace, your pals with Jim Ross. What's you, uh, what do you make of this, uh, moment of candor from Jim Ross about Johnny Ace? Well, uh, gosh, you know, I know them both about the same. And, um, once again, I know it all. So Jim Ross lost every bit of credibility with me in life. In spite of calling me the greatest wrestler of all time or, or whatever, uh, induction and all the bullshit when he jumped on the dark side of wrestling. Because all he is starving for and leaning on life is to be relevant. Because he ain't. And I will tell you this. What makes it disappoints me the most, and this is a very serious statement. When Russo and uh, what was his buddy's name? Ed Ferrara. Ed Ferrara. When they mocked up Jim Ross uh, and made fun of the Bell's Palsy. I thought it was the worst thing I've ever seen in wrestling in my life. Forget anything I ever went through personally. It was the worst thing, and it's unforgivable. Unforgivable to make fun of someone's, of, of, of a situation like that, which was, you know, and I can only imagine what it did to Jim's mind. So I can forgive Jim Ross for Dark Side of Wrestling, which I have, because there's nothing worth it. But um, I, I don't appreciate it. Jerry Lawler texts me. I don't know how many people said, what the fuck is Ross mean? We've got to know when to walk away from Ric Flair. Huh. Well, the WWE learned when to, when, when to walk away from, from Jim Ross. I'm going to the 30th edition, 30th reunion. You think he is? Well, he's under contract somewhere else, so probably not. You think he's getting invited? I mean, I don't think it would be possible, but no, to answer your question, no. Okay. Well. I was under contract to TNA and got my second ring. So if they want things to happen, to make them happen. Yeah. 
I, uh, I that's, didn't another, know that's, that's another podcast. You didn't hear what he said about me and dark side. Well, in fairness, I think, um, there's more to that story. And I know, I don't know that you and Jim have ever talked about that, but tell me, let's Jim believes it was creative editing and that it was a gotcha moment. And I know that Jim didn't want to record again or do anything with the tales from the territory guys again, uh, or, or the dark side of the ring. And I actually tried to placate and say, well, listen, tales from the territories is a different thing. And it's, it's not going to be about negative stories. It's going to be fun, easy stories. It's talking about mid South. Yeah. But what's that got to do with me? No, I'm with you. I'm just saying Jim was upset with the way it came out because he says it wasn't the way that that wasn't an accurate portrayal of the conversation. You know, you know what he said to me when I called him on it? He said, I love you Nate. always have always will. What's wrong with that? I said, what the fuck are you doing? That was his answer. Hmm. Not, Hey, I'm sorry. And I'll tell you something else, you know, going back to these documentaries and how they can be hurtful. Yeah. When Jim Ross is talking about me dancing on the table and drinking and all that shit, but forgot to pay the IRS. You know why he knows about the IRS? Because he was the head of talent relations. Yeah. And that's supposed to be private when they got her my wages. So you ask me what I think about Jim Ross. I've, I have felt, I mean, I've felt the pain of Jan like nobody else. I was there when he met Jan. So I know a lot of things a lot of people don't know. But shitting on me is not cool. Well, I hate you feel that way. I, uh, well, I know that well, no, go back and read it. Pull it up. How would well, you I'm, feel? How would you feel if he said it about you? I'm with you. But, but again, uh, and I'll, I feel like we're talking in circles here. I just want to make sure you understand. Jim says that's creative editing, that, that, that it was the way it was presented on TV is the, not the way it went down. And he was uncomfortable working with them in the future. And of course, I think they've smoothed all that out, but there were a lot of people who felt like, man, that's not really what I said. And did I know he, that, did they smooth out the $500,000 I lost. Well, I guess the question is you, I, you blame, I, I, you blame I, I, Jim Ross, not necessarily the editors of the show. We've never discussed it. I'm just asking. Well, first of all, why do you say it? Why is he on the show? And you know what? You know why? why, You know how many people have called me and said we love to say something, but we we don't want we don't want to hear something about ourselves, right? How many how many phone calls do you think I got that for a year? A lot. Yeah. God, hey man, I'd say something, but fuck, I don't want him jumping on me. Yeah. So a convicted felon in trouble with the IRS, arrested for domestic violence twice, get to say shit about me 22 years later. I lose a half million dollars. It almost caused me to get divorced. You don't think I hit Wendy and her kids? What do you think my grandkids thought of that? Hello? Hey, you're part of the family. What do you think? What do you think? You don't think I, you don't think that runs through my mind every day? Sure. To this day, it runs through my mind. Jericho telling me he knew nothing about it. Yet he's, he's the editor, director. They're all, I know They're all fucking lucky that I'm a better man than them. Because I got the story in all of them. I just don't tell it. 
I could have this fucking podcast breaking every record. Be we'd be learning numbers like NFL football. stories. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm in an awkward spot here, man. Uh, who else do you want to fuck with today? It's no. their shit list. <laughs> no, uh, well, you you keep bringing the names up. I just got an answer for you. Well, I, I was asking about Johnny Ace and and Jim Ross, and boy, we took a hard left turn there. But well, because I don't know how Jim Ross could be hot at anybody. You know, Jim used to walk around to just basically beating Vince's brains out. At the same time, Jim Ross I, it will always be my favorite announcer. I'm not diminishing his skills. I'm not like Eric saying I was no good at anything. I'm telling you, Jim was the fucking best. But I also thought he was one of my best friends. It hurts A face. friend doesn't do that. Yeah. Jim Ross was he and Gordon Soley and Oakland and all different styles are the three greatest announcers of all fucking time. We agree. In all, in all my 70 years of watching it, seeing it from Marty O'Neill, name it. Those three are the three greatest, all different styles. But Jim Ross fucking was, he is, I mean, I, I have so much respect for him. I wanted him to have that equal amount of respect for me in real life. He didn't. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I think he does. I think it's a misunderstanding. Uh, well, it doesn't matter. It's over now. Yeah. Whether it's creative editing or not, he said it. <laughs> Why? Well, Why? We took a hard left turn there, and uh, <laughs> you're going to be taking a hard left turn in your brand new camper. I'm excited to introduce you. No, to I'm a, we're going to start running. We're going to start running NFL numbers here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think geez, Rick, ne- next next week it's the Chiefs and the Bengals. <laughs> Seventeen I, I, million. Views. I don't know how we top this next week. Uh, but <laughs> oh, we will, we will. Let somebody open their goddamn mouth. <laughs> I mean, after you giving shots to Eric Bischoff and Jim Ross, who I both co-host with, but I know what we're squirting on the grill these days, and that's mm-hmm. all the beautiful meat from backyard butchers. The wait is over. Quality steak, free shipping, period. Backyard Butcher's restaurant quality steak boxes are now available. Imagine opening up a box of high quality steak, being able to recreate the steakhouse experience right in your backyard, but for less than grocery store prices. That's exactly what you'll get when you order from Backyard Butcher's. I uh, have to admit, we've had a few different meat sponsors here on the program. So I thought, well, what could be different? I'll tell you what's different. The prices. My goodness. You're going to beat that inflationary pricing at the grocery store and save big on your family's dinner budget. We're going to show you how to cut out the middleman grocery stores with responsibly sourced 100% American beef, pork, and chicken Sourced from the form, the farms all across the heartland. Backyard Butcher's meat is fresh, it's safely packaged, and it's all delivered to your door in an eco-friendly insulated box. Their boxes and packing are specifically designed to keep your meat within the optimal temperature range. I gotta tell you, what's really cool about this to me, Bruce, is there's no membership or subscription necessary but if you do choose to subscribe, 
he cancel anytime. Maybe try him once and then you'll want to subscribe on your reorder because you're going to love the price, the ease, the quality, and the taste of the Backyard Butcher steak, pork, and chicken. And for a limited time, Backyard Butchers are offering our listeners of this podcast a special introductory deal. Check this out, y'all. Get 15% off, get free shipping, and get four free ribeyes for life with every subscription. That's four free premium restaurant quality juicy ribeyes delivered directly to your door in a monthly subscription that's significantly less than what you pay at the grocery store. Seriously, check it out. You'll thank me later. It's backyardbutchers.com. Click on the online shop and order button. Remember, no subscriptions, no memberships necessary. So why wait? Get your hands on some of the best steak, pork, and chicken you'll ever taste. Make your next steak night an event to remember. Visit backyardbutchers.com. Your order, plus free shipping and four free ribeyes for life. Well, let's talk about that because you also said on Twitter that they were trying to erase your legacy. Uh, Talk about how they're tangibly trying to do that, what you're trying to get from them by way of, I guess, restitution is the word. Well, Mike, by erasing my legacy, if you take me off the opening of the show and take the woo, which I own, thank God, because they'll never get it back, um, and replace me with the ultimate lawyer, a guy that sued the company, held them up for money, um, I guess the next thing they're going to do with me is uh, make a DVD saying, have so many people saying how bad I was, like I did with the lawyer, then they brought him back and put him in the Hall of Fame. That ain't going to work for me. One and done. And I, and I, very openly, I text Vince. No worries. But, you know, you're not going to do, you're not going to bring me back. Not that they want me by any means, but I, I, <laughs> I, I could never work for Nick Khan in my entire life. Vince McMahon, I could work for. But Nick Khan, who's the guy that orchestrated taking me off the show, I've got my facts together, orchestrated taking the woo off, never in a million years. Well, don't Tony you? Khan, big difference between Tony Khan and, and Tony Khan respects me. He has, as does Vince. Nick Khan has none. I talk to Vince now. I got no problems with Vince. But he just knows I won't come back. Now, don't you think that eventually they're going to want to put you back in the opening? They're going to want to restore you? That's kind of how it works. I mean, Hogan drifted for a while. They brought him back. Warrior drifted for a while. They brought him back. I mean, I know in wrestling, you never say never, Nate, but it sounds like you're saying never. Absolutely never. I'm 72. I could be dead tomorrow. The last thing I'd want was for them to make a package on me. Ever. Well, well, don't don't be dead tomorrow. Uh, I will, I'll, I'll leave all that to Tony Khan. Well, don't be dead tomorrow. We got to get this podcast rolling before that happens. Now, and we're going to uh, do so well with this. Uh, let me just tell you something else that should not shock the world. When I saw that, they took me off the opening and all that. And for whatever reason, you know, I, who knows? I call it lack of respect. Um, some people, some, People said to me, Rick, you know, how do you feel about that? And I said, well, after them asking me to assign my intellectual property to them, 
while I was on life support, nothing that company does surprises me. See, but you don't you don't tie you don't tie that to Vince, which I find curious. No. I mean he had nothing to do with it. Really? He had nothing he to really? do with it, which he made very clear to me. I don't know. Vince is the, the, the boss there, right? I mean Yeah, he's the boss, but you have to look at it. WWE is not just a wrestling company. They're they're Disney. I mean, they, they do everything. They make movies. I mean, he's got so much to oversee, and because he's so hands-on, he still can't be totally he's so he totally he still can't totally watch over everything. But oh, let me clarify something else. You brought up something very interesting. The when I talked about my legacy being erased and that, right? I, I need to get back to what I what I tweeted about wanting back that right there. I was having a difficult time at, with obviously through divorce. You can't be paying alimony to three women. That's not that's not the best formula to live by. So when Hunter called me to buy that belt, I sold it to him for fifty grand. Okay, bingo. I also took the 92 Royal Rumble belt, which Vince let me keep when they brought the new belt, right? And I gifted it to him with a note saying, I wish I could have dropped it to you in 1986, meaning when I was good at what I was doing, which I was no good at the time, but that's how much I thought of our friendship. So I have asked for that back because that's part of my legacy. And And I said, I want to pay for them. Why do you want them? Why do you want something that you don't want to, in other words, you can't put me in the front of your show, but you want to hold something that nobody else in that whole company has been, but me. That's that's the kind of stuff that upsets me. You know, I want to buy it back. I don't expect them to give it to me, but it's mine. Nate, I could not agree more, and I could also not agree more that we have done it again. What an episode of Ric Flair Woo Nation Uncensored. When do we shoot? I'll tell you, we can, we can shoot on the Steelers for a second. How about that? They rally from a million points down and blow it at the end. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Nate, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Hulk Hogan before, and I want to uh, take a trip down memory lane here. Talk about your arrival in WWE in 1991, which happened 30 years ago this fall. 
How many times did that almost happen in the past? And what was the holdup? Five. Really? Five five false alarms. <laughs> well, what happened? What what killed it? What delayed well, it? I, I, well, I had a disagreement with Dusty about stuff. You know, I mean, you don't... It's, as much money as we made it together and one of my favorite opponents of all time, the world champion, if he's working under the umbrella of a booker that wants to be the world champion or has been a world champion or wants to make sure that he's on top of the world champion, you're going to get, you're going to have conflicts, right? So I called one day and I called and I said, Vince, can I come? He said, yeah. I said, I want you to wrestle, uh, I, I said, I said, what, what do you have open for me if I come? And he said, uh, you and Savage, I think it was for SummerSlam, but it was at the garden or something. It was some huge you know, opportunity for me. But at the end of the day, which is one of the bad, bad, bad mistakes I've made, I made is I just couldn't leave Tully and Arn and Barry. And, and I mean, those guys were my heart and soul. When you travel like we did, I mean, guys, people don't realize this, but at Great American Bash Tours, we were on a private plane to a different city every night for 46 days, cutting our head every night, the war games every night, drunk all night. We would give, we would give the, the pool boy in Vegas $500 to hold the five chairs open for us with a satellite for us. We, we stayed at the Tropicana, flew over to Albuquerque, did the show back at Tropicana. Flew to Frisco, did the show back at Tropicana. Seattle, back at Tropicana. Um, LA, back to Tropicana. <laughs> Five days that. <laughs> and I was running on Weeder products. <laughs> Probably the only one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I had a nervous breakdown flying home. I'm not kidding you. I said, Sting, can I talk to you? I said, about what? Just anything. <laughs> 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 and the last stop... Our last stop was Kansas City. I had to go home and I had to wrestle Brody for an hour. Uh, I go, Frank, what do you want to do tonight? I'll get back to you, Ricky. Harley, <laughs> go what, what, did, what did Brody say to you? He said, get back to me. I'm going to get Brody tonight. I'll take care of him. He'll do what I tell him to do and he'll like it. Harley, please leave him alone. <laughs> I got to work with him for an hour. You're right. <laughs> That's the way it went. Let me know if Frank's difficult tonight. Okay, Harley. <laughs> I will. <laughs> anyway, well, so Brody was the greatest. Had more fun with him too, boy. And talk about a guy that could work a working machine. Oh, for Never. a big man, there Never. weren't many better big men ever. Never. Only only a few. I mean, a guy was and in tremendous shape. You know, those guys literally they fought for their lives every night. I'll tell you a great story just out of context about Brody. Sure. So Brody and Hanson, they ruled Japan and they made a fortune deservedly so. They were that good and they were that intimidating. But man, they put Tenru and Dick Slater together in a tag team match. I just watched it the other day. I had to pull it back up. <laughs> and Slater said to me, watch. <laughs> nothing, nothing even close to the kind of match I used to have with the other guys. Not even close. Nobody, nobody ran into Dick Slater. And Tenru was tough too, but not like Dick. 
And it was, I thought, I thought watching myself, of course, I didn't say anything. I wanted to say, Frank, you guys slowed down a little bit out there tonight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but I wanted to. <laughs> well, well getting, getting back to your arrival in WWE in 1991, why did they not go to you and Hogan on pay-per-view right away? Because everybody would have seen that as a world title unification match. You had the NWA belt with you, and they did do you and Hogan at some house shows. I saw one of those in Pittsburgh. Why didn't they do it on pay-per-view? I don't know. I've heard two stories. One is um, that they were having a cash flow problem. And uh, so we that, let's say, we, like we sold out Boston. We sold out LA. Oakland, we sold out. The Garden, we didn't sell out. Okay, our first show in the Garden, we did not sell out. So I don't know whether people didn't think I could draw because it's fun. It's a whole, my whole career had been Southern based until I got the belt. Then I'm traveling across the country, but I still was never mainstream TV on the East Coast. So being the NWA champion, I never was in New York. I never was in Philadelphia until, until the small building came along. Okay, and then we were there every night. We even went against those guys and uh, they were in the spectrum. We all got together afterward, which was a good time. But. I, I don't think maybe they didn't perceive me as being over enough. Um, I, everybody speculates that it would have been the biggest thing ever, but you never know. I've heard, you know, Hulk wanted to go off and do TV and, um, and she did that Thunder in Paradise show. And, uh, you know, who knows? I, I've never questioned it. And everybody keeps, to this day, people say, aren't you mad about that? I say, mad about what? I spent a year and a half. I wrestled Bret Hart. I wrestled Hogan. I wrestled Jake. I win the Royal Rumble. I wrestled Savage. I win the World Championship twice. And then I go back. How can I be mad? I traveled with DiBiase, Piper, the Nasty Boys, the Road Warriors. I mean, look at the crew we traveled with. When we went to Europe, it was the hoedown. Woo! <laughs> well, no, I, I think what you're saying has some validity, but, but I think you're too humble, too. Let me tell you a theory I have as to why they didn't go with it on WrestleMania, because I saw that match at a house show in Pittsburgh, which was very close to sold out, by the way. And they booed Hogan and cheered you. It wasn't universal, but it was definitely a mixed crowd. And I don't think WWE wanted that to get on pay-per-view. I don't think they wanted that to get on TV. You look at the Royal Rumble, which we'll talk about at length in a later podcast, Rick. But that Royal Rumble, they cheered when you won. They went nuts. They booed Hogan with that routine at the end. And I just don't think Vince ever wanted that on TV in a singles match. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. I'll tell you, I, the guy that doesn't get nearly enough credit for helping me when I first came there, I got the Bobby Heenan rub, which yep, was huge. Yep. You, know, I, you, know, you, know, you know the story, right? Bobby went on the road with me for one weekend. And we, we did... Uh, <laughs> we did... L.A., uh, L.A., uh, we did Oakland, L.A., San Diego, Phoenix, and back for the garden, right? So we go out to get ready to do Oakland with Hulk, and he says, I, I'm just going to stay in the corner. I don't do anything more. I said, what do you mean you don't do anything? He says, and I, I, you know, Rude didn't like me to do anything. I'm, I'm not going to do anything. I said, well, I don't care what Rude wants you to do. I want you right here with me. I want Bobby Heenan from Minneapolis. Then, and so do the fans. He said, are you sure? I said, Bobby, you're, you're goddamn Bobby Heenan. Please be yourself. Who, by the way, in case people don't know it, was a great worker. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, yeah. No, no. Not good. I know. Great. 
bumps. I mean, he didn't have to go out and wrestle 30-minute matches. But whatever time he put in the ring, he was great. Great punch, great kick. I mean, everything, facials. So I got the Bobby Heenan rub. And when Bobby, but on the way home, on the red eye for the garden, he looked at me and said, I hope you die and your hair grows back red. No, <laughs> 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 he walked in the garden, he quit. He looked at me and said, I'm done. He said, he said it is Hall of Fame. He said it is Hall of Fame induction. But he, didn't, he didn't sign on to manage Larry Flint. <laughs> well, <laughs> having had a taste of that I, myself. I, I, I don't know how I ever got that tag. Having had, having had a taste of that myself, I can certainly <laughs> sympathize. Uh, but, but no, you say you're not mad, Rick. But, but isn't it a regret? Maybe not mad, but at least a regret that you and Hogan never headlined WrestleMania? Because... That, that would have had more impact then than when you guys did it in WCW. And I would think that's specifically why Vince would have brought you in. I, I still can't believe it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 but Mark, I swear to God, if people, I, I'm, I'm answering this, we're uncensored. I don't think about it. I didn't then. I was at WrestleMania. I'm wrestling Savage. We had a decent match. It could have been a lot better, but Randy, obviously, for very well-known reasons, was so distracted. That was the last time he and Liz ever saw each other and worked together. It was a very strenuous week of preparation. And, uh, but uh, aside from that, I thought we had a decent match. And, uh, you know, they went their separate ways. But, um, you know, I've always had a lot of time for Randy. I helped break Randy into business. He came into Charlotte. He'd been playing a minor league baseball for the Cardinals or the Reds, one or the other. Cardinals, yeah. In he came in and he was a 170 pound kid. And, you know, to this day, I, I have some, I have a lot of respect for Randy. I, I don't think he's a great worker. And, 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 I, I, and I, I can give examples why, uh, but I thought he was really good and he had a great gimmick. And uh, he and Liz were just delightful. And in my mind, it always will be two of the biggest stars that I've ever had an opportunity to work with. You know, we, we couldn't really talk about Ricky Steamboat without at least bringing up there's been a lot of rumors over the years that perhaps his marriage, uh, hurt some of his career choices. I've never actually spoken to Mr. Steamboat about that. I wasn't there. I don't have a read on it, but you probably heard other people say stuff like that as well. I'm sure. Yeah, I did. Uh, but I mean, I'm very detached with Bonnie. I just, um, she didn't like me as a person, a lot of, for a lot, a lot of reasons, a lot of wives didn't like me. <laughs> I don't know why, but, um, but I think she also, um, you know, played upon his emotions and, and, you know, you know, wanted things, she wanted to be as much, she wanted to, she wanted, and this is my thought process. She wanted as much attention as, as he was getting. Right. And it's funny, you know, how, how Bonnie met Ricky. She's one of the models that I, I hired from Charlotte to come up for that angle we shot. Really? When he, when he first came in, when he first came in, when we, when we first started going to work with each other. Well, I'll be darned. She was modeling in Charlotte. Yeah, when she came up with three other girls and, uh, I think they met that day, but, uh, next thing I knew they were dating. Well, how I about, like, that? I don't remember how it all came around, but the next time I see him, I'll ask him. <laughs> well, he's like me. He's been around four times. <laughs> 
There's four horse women now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and he's a good guy. He's not even a bad guy. I was a bad guy. <laughs> so there's a, a free clash of the champion special just five days before the pay-per-view. This one goes down in Cleveland. You don't yeah, no, I, gotta, t- I gotta tell you a story about steamboat. Please do. So steamboat, they're having a Mr. North Carolina contest. And it's going to be Jimmy and uh, Jimmy Snooker and and and, uh, and Ricky enter with about thirty other guys. So I want you to think about this. I'm wrestling Steamboat. I'll give you an example. An hour every night. And this is back when we were doing an hour every damn night. And he, we would you know drive out of town with somebody else and get in the car and drive back together. And I, because I told him I'd go through it with him if he you know I mean to help him right and. It, he would drink three Miller Lights and eat three Chicken McNuggets. We'd get to his house because during one of my minor separations, I stayed with him uh, in his house, and he would eat Cool Whip, wrestling me an hour every night, 60 carbs a day, training for that contest for about two months, and wrestling me an hour every night. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a true story. I was there. I was with it. I didn't. I drank a few more than six, than three, but <laughs> I rode with him. He liked he liked fast cars, and I had that red Corvette. He loved driving my red red Corvette. So um, he to this day he's a car guy. He loves cars and speedboats and stuff like that. So we had a lot in common outside of wrestling. Let's uh, let's talk about this Clash of the Champions encounter because this is where you really establish yourself firmly as he's the good guy the family man, you're the bad guy. Of course, it wouldn't be a a Ric Flair confrontation unless something got ripped off. He rips your suit completely off. You're fighting. uh, The crowd's going bananas. This is one of the better buildups, a last minute build for a pay-per-view that I recall in this era. Yeah. You know, me, it wasn't until he, the first time we, what I can't remember the angle we shot the first time, but I, uh, we went and we got, we just did like an average house. So we came back a week later. And was that where he tore my clothes off and all that? Well, anyway, from that point on, we were sold out every town, every night. Phenomenal. And we're going to see a bit of that in the recap when we actually roll the the tape. If you're, if you're going to watch yeah. along with us. We, we did the same thing in 89 with, you know, years later with the mink coat and all that. Yeah. That's the one we're going to watch here in just yeah, a moment. Yeah. One hour, 54 minutes and 22 seconds. But before we roll that, I want to give everybody a chance to, to fire it up. So look up Chi-Town Rumble in Peacock. It's the only one. Uh, fast forward to one hour, 54 minutes, and 22 seconds before we roll the footage. Hey, guys, Tony Schiavone. Need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. The road to WrestleMania has begun. And in this ad-free show's exclusive, Tony and JR sit down to call the action from some of WrestleMania's biggest matches, including the end of The Undertaker's streak. Hard inning war. I thought that that Taker kicked out. I was wrong. And maybe that's what causes my prejudice that I wanted to see Taker win. Yeah, I, I would have liked to see 22-0 as well. But this is a historic moment. It really is in not only in WrestleMania history, but in all of pro wrestling, if you think about it. What does everybody want? How about a sit-down exclusive with Al Snow, who discusses a wide range of topics, 
including his dear friend, Jim Cornette. Jimmy knows and understands his gimmick. Uh, and he knows and understands what draws for him. And like any good worker, uh, Jimmy's going to capitalize on it, you know? And, and a lot of what you see is not Jim Cornette. It's, it's an aspect of Jim Cornette. And it's just an aspect that Jimmy's turned the volume up on, apparently, as the years went on, a lot, you know? <laughs> Ad-Free Show members recently sat shotgun alongside Kevin Nash for a live watch-along of his WWE Championship match against Shawn Michaels at In Your House 7. Catch the event now on demand. Duh! <laughs> Bullet! A year of... A year of brutal matches. Was too much for the big man. For, too much for the big man's shoulders as he reached in... He reached those... Continually reached those shoulders into his pockets and came out empty from the amount of money that was paid him. That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why AdFree Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. I just love the idea of you guys finally getting in the ring together. Yeah. And of course we all anticipated, well, this is going to happen at WrestleMania. And of course it didn't happen at WrestleMania, but what stuck out like a sore thumb to me is, is we would see you guys do this match all over the country. Mm -hmm. And perhaps I would just think, man, the Omni, when you guys do this in the Omni, you're going to have people hanging from the rafters. We see a photo there of when it happened in Madison square garden. But the, the Omni, that feels like old, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions territory. They, they, they didn't buy it. 4,500 people showed up to the Omni uh, to see Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. You, you know what? It, it, no, it's because they just wouldn't, they wouldn't. We used to have put sound bites in. He, he, and he won't be upset that I'm saying this. We had to put sound bites in. And uh, it's center stage because they booed him out. Oh, the, the local fans, they weren't Hulk Hogan people. No, no, no. Okay. But you know, the first time we really got them to boo me and, and it worked and it's great. And I didn't know that that pay-per-view was what launched Nitro. Since then, Hulk told me, of course, Eric would never tell me that or pay me rightfully, was the match we had in Orlando with Shaq and me and Sherry against him and Jimmy. And I do think we had a good match that day. It was entertaining. It's never going to be, you know, like a, a technical, not going to be me and Steamboat or Seth and Manny or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not nearly as technical, but we had great chemistry. Sherry added so much to it. And that pay-per-view is what launched Nitro. Yeah. Did you know that? Yep. You've told me that here on the show before. Yeah. And I didn't know it till Hogan told me. It's crazy. But, to but, think but he was, but in that, in, in that instance, he was, that was the first time that he was a, a real legitimate bay face and I was right. the heel, but it took us a while to get there. The, uh, the first matchup, as we mentioned, Dayton, Ohio, October 22nd, 1991. When you come back and you do it in uh, Oakland, there's 13,400 paying fans to see Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair in Los Angeles. There's 12,400 to see the match. When you go to Tempe, Arizona, there's only 5,600 and I, I don't know. It's just amazing to me to think about 
this thing wasn't a bigger hit on the road. I can't, because, I can't because, because, because nobody knew who I was out there. We didn't have we didn't have the saturation from from cable. Turner's cable wasn't nearly what it is today in terms of saturation. They didn't know who I was. Champaign, Illinois, 6,300 fans. Uh, Denver, Colorado, 6,400 fans. Cincinnati, 6,000 fans. Boston, well, you didn't do it in Boston. That was you and Piper. I'm just saying. It, no, no, these, no, no. Boston was sold out the night before the Royal Rumble. The, uh, oh, 1992. That's what I wanted to mention. 6,000 folks in Hamilton, up in uh, Ontario. That That's a good know, crowd. That, that's a good crowd for Hamilton. The, uh, you're exactly right though. You and Hogan had a 15,000 person sellout January 18th in Boston. Yep. Uh, do you remember do any of those matches stick out? I think the first one, maybe it was in Oakland. It was either in Oakland or, or, or Dayton. It was like title versus title. You had the big gold belt. He had the winged Eagle title and it looked like they were going to make you the ch- the winner. You hold up both belts. Then they reveal it's a dusty finish. The belt didn't really change hands. Yeah. What was the reaction when you guys pulled that angle and you held up both belts? Longtime wrestling fans had to be like, I can't believe my eyes here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it got over. But like I said, the problem, I, I'm the first to admit this. I never was a big card in New York. Okay. I mean, I just wasn't, I didn't have enough TV. Now, if you put me in that situation now, I mean, I thought I, I was much, I was over much better when I was in my mid fifties there than I was when in 92, because Turner's TV, Turner's TV was Ohio, anywhere from Miami, all the way to Charlotte, to Baltimore, to Philadelphia. After that, it was, it was, we were very lame. That's why when we went, started going to, uh, to vault to Philadelphia to the small arena, they 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 would sell out the Spectrum. We would sell out the small arena. Does that makes sense. We couldn't get yeah. in the Spectrum, or we would have, because but we had we all would meet together. One of the few times they're near, we cross paths. Of course, we sold out the Pavilion in Chicago. They sold out Rosemont. I mean, so right. But as, as, in, in all fairness to, to Hogan, I was not over on their TV at all, and, and when we first started. And I think that disheartened him a little bit in terms of maybe the the WrestleMania thing, but I just wasn't over in California. I mean, the first time we went with Crockett, we sold out all those buildings. Second time, half the crowd. Unbelievable. I can remember them all. We took war games out there and everything, and yeah, we we drew enough money to keep, but like, like I've said a thousand times, you've heard me say it, we should have stayed we should have stayed east of the Mississippi. Yeah. Not that we'd be in business now, but I mean, it would have been in business a lot longer. Even though I, I'm pissed off at Eric, you know, everybody wants to think there was animosity with me and Hulk. Hulk didn't sign my checks. Right. Eric did. You know, that I got Eric fucked me every time he turned around. And when he sees my documentary, he is still a prick in it. Oh, wow. You have no bet. Oh, he's, a, he's still a prick. He's an arrogant prick. We gotta. I can't wait to put you guys together. We need to do a star cast and just do a no, no, clear no, 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 you you got to see what he says to me in, in this. I mean, and then they go, he said a lot of good things, Rick. Well, this, this kind of fit the, the, the narrative. I said, yeah, it sure did. It's dead on. 
<laughs> it's, it's, he's, he's just a prick. I'd love to do it one-on-one. There's so much, Eric, with you and I. We could go on forever, but I was like, I always go back to when we were staying at that place on Canada, uh, driving Orlando, right? And twists and turns in the business and all that. But do you remember the day when that Rude came in and was demanding to almost have Sting spot? I do. There was yeah. there was a lot going on. In fact, I think Rude Rude had the title. I think at that point. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he did or not. I mean, I just you know, it's I I feel terrible about um, what happened to him in his personal life and that. But he he, he was it was difficult back then because I remember you- I remember he walked you out to the car and opened the trunk. You you'll be you, I just have a great memory. Remember he, he <laughs> the gun was in the trunk and told you. Whatever he said to you, I mean, it was terrible. Well, it, you know, it's what was funny is, <clears throat> I, you know, I had known Rick since high right school. After high yeah, school. you guys are all together. You know, we we all kind of grew up in the same you know, zip code, so to speak, and hung out at the same bars. And you know, we didn't hang out together at that time, but we knew a lot of we had a lot of mutual friends and acquaintances. And I'd see him, you know, I'd see him on weekends, and you know, I was pretty aware of Rick's, you know, capabilities as far as being a a, a tough guy and all yeah, that. Yeah, was. And then as, as you know, once he, we started working together, I always got along really, really well with Rick. You know, it was probably because of the Minnesota connection. In fact, he and I rode together right after I first got hired by WCW. He and I rode, you know, down to Macon TV together and Gainesville TV together. And we, we started becoming pretty, pretty close friends. And when, and I don't even remember the details of what led up to, you know, that, that situation in Orlando, but I remember he had he had physical control over the belt, and I needed no, that, it back. That's what it was, and he would he was he was like telling you and me. Remember, he was going to kill me in Philadelphia. Remember that night he came in the locker room. Yeah, I actually I, you know, I brought Barry Windham in there, and I, I said, Barry, just you know whatever happens happens. Don't yeah. jump in and, until it's absolutely necessary. But if it's going to be you know permanent injuries. You know, just be around. <laughs> yeah, no, he was going to kill me because I, I, I mean, he thought everybody was against him. Yeah. And it, it is what it was. I mean, he was, you know, he was impaired in the ring. And, you know, it's like I loved Kerry Von Erich, but Kerry was impaired a lot, right? Wow. And Rick was getting to that point. And um, I'm not sure what happened, but he was, like, screaming at me and then he was hollering at Eric and you know, nothing ever happened. But it was just, you know, with an... But one of those things that was a, a, a an awkward situation for everybody involved. And uh, but what I was telling you, I mean, you missed the thing. We were in Orlando, and we did these booking things, and it was me and Kevin and Eric and whoever else. And uh, it was like a, you know an easy gig. We had a lot of fun in Orlando, right? But right. Rude came up and got Eric and took him outside. And did did he, did he point the gun at you, or did he just have it in the car? No, he knew. I, you know, I told him. I said, "Rick, I got to get the title back." You know, yeah, enough is yeah. enough. And and he and I ended up walking out to his car. And I, again, I just, I, I don't know why I wasn't afraid. Maybe I was too stupid. Um, well, I was afraid for you. <laughs> I, I just, and and maybe it was because deep down inside, I, you know, I knew Rude wasn't really. He was hot at a situation. He was angry at a lot of things, but I had never really done anything to him. And look, Rick, 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 Rick Rude could have torn my head off and, and not even dropped 
the beer that was in his other hand while he was doing it. So it, it and I knew that. And I, but whatever reason, I walked out to his car, he opens up his trunk, and there's the belt sitting there right next to a three fifty seven. And he just kind of looked in the trunk, and he looked at me, and he reached in, and I thought, well, <laughs> here it goes. Yeah. And he, and he grabbed the belt, and he yeah. handed it to me. And he, I think that, you know, he made a statement, you know, and, and that was the end of it. Nothing, nothing happened after that, really. Uh, well, that, but that, it was an awkward moment. Yeah, it, the <laughs> whole thing was awkward. Yeah, it's it funny was, because I, I, I've told the people these stories, and Eric, you could, Eric, Eric can vouch for it. The problem, I mean, this is the whole. That's why this could be like a three-hour podcast. We it really could. Too. Yeah. The problem is, is that when Hulk came, right? Right. He wouldn't work with Vader. And he called Rick the Tasmanian Devil. He wouldn't work with Rick. And to this day, Hulk Hogan, after all the time in WWE and WCW, Rick Hulk never wrestled a Rick Rude. Correct, Eric? Yeah. Never. He wouldn't do it. He called I mean, him a Tasmanian Devil. And he probably Devil. should have in WWF because as soon as Warrior won, they, they programmed him with Rude. Yeah, but what happened was is uh, Rude had kicked, beat up the Warrior in Savannah bad in the locker room and that just kind of sent a message because warrior had said something about rick you know that story right eric no i don't no, know i had not story. heard that okay well wwe apparently with the warrior made some remark probably just you know in passing but that wasn't even a time when the like uh social media was like it is not right but it was like one of those things like rude rude's not good enough to you know get a shot at the title or oh, whatever, right yeah so rude, man. <laughs> he got to Savannah that night. The building we've been at, Eric, and he walked in the dressing room across across the kitchen and and kicked uh, and beat up the warrior pretty good. True story. Wow. I wasn't even there then, but I mean, if everybody knew about it, if you were in the business, right? Yeah, I mean, he so he just put himself in a position uh, where Hulk wouldn't wrestle him at WC at. Uh, WWE, and when he got, when he came, when Hulk came with us, um, which was another trip when Eric and I went and got Hulk in Orlando. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. So, well, let me just finish. But he, he, to this day, Hulk has never Hulk and Rude have never worked in the ring, which which is strange. I mean, he just refused to do it. He finally gave in to Vader, but he would not wrestle Rick. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but. Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen. All right, let's talk about that because Jake Roberts came out this past week and, uh, or, or a clip from his show, his podcast, the snake pit, where he said that, uh, Kenny Omega was a better wrestler than you and Shawn Michaels. And uh, I know that certainly styles have changed and wrestling has changed, but Jake Roberts, a guy who knows a thing or two about a thing or two thinks Kenny Omega better than flair and Shawn Michaels. Did you see that report? What do you think of that? I didn't see it, but you know what? Jake is entitled to an opinion because Jake yeah. Roberts was a great wrestler. Yeah. I got no problem with Jake. There again, that's, that's having an opinion. I got no problem with that whatsoever because Jake Roberts was a great wrestler. Yes. Don Callis. <laughs> I just took a bandaid off my hand. 
<laughs> revealing a little tape. It's that dumb callus on my hand. Oh my goodness. Well, I'll tell you this, there's no debate and it's not our opinion, but, it's, but I got no, pro- I got, I got no problem with Jake saying that. And he very well could be, I, I, I've only seen Kenny Russell about three times, but if I could see him a few more times, I could, I can un- understand him saying that about me. I don't know about Shawn Michaels though. Like I said, I had a very limited, a very limited repertoire. Obviously, Kenny can do all this great stuff, but I don't know the Shawn Michaels thing. I I, I ride that pretty hard. That's I told, I, I told, I told Shawn the other day. I said I'm so tired of telling everybody the greatest of all time. He said, oh, "I understand, low." <laughs> but he is. I mean, I, if anybody would know, if anybody would know, it would be me. I right. wrestled everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've wrestled everybody. And I'm telling you, Shawn Michaels, he and Ricky Steamboat, Ricky just done a good side. But man, I'm telling you, smooth, ring general, could go both ways. I don't know. See, I, I've never seen Kenny as a heel. Has he ever been a heel? Yeah. Yeah. He's been a heel. Has he really? I, I just, I, I don't remember. But Kenny Mega is a great wrestler. Make no mistake. No doubt. But Don, but Don Cowles, eh. <laughs> well even something don Callis would agree on jimmy's famous seafood is the real deal and we want you to check it out if you haven't already it's jimmy's famous seafood.com they're shipping food nationwide and if you've ever shipped seafood before you know that the shipping is the expensive part well not with our little hack here how about that use our promo code flare and you'll get free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over 125 bucks and what should you get? Well, the best crab cakes in the world. They've also got all the soups and the chowders and the oysters. Even signature steaks are great from Jimmy's Famous Seafood. They've got the desserts, the gluten-free items, and they'll deliver it all to your front door. This is a family-owned business, friends of the show here. They've been in business for more than four decades. You've seen them all over TV, hanging out with Guy Fieri and Bobby Flay. And anytime the Ravens are playing, they're always at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. And sincerely, anytime WWE or AEW is routed within driving distance of there, this is the wrestling restaurant in America, and now they will deliver it right to your front door. Check out the famous gift box. They've got four of the best and biggest colossal Maryland crab cakes you've ever had. Two different crab soups, a crab dip, some seafood seasoning, and their signature bay sauce. Or maybe you're getting ready for the Super Bowl. Let's check out the tailgate bundle. Two pounds of wings, a full rack of ribs, a pint of crab dip, and the crab cake mix. It all happens at jimmysfamousseafood.com. Be sure to use our promo code FLAIR and enjoy some free shipping when you order 125 bucks. Uh, Dave on Twitter asks, hashtag ask Nate, what was the best angle idea that never made it to TV? And what was the worst angle that did make it to TV that you were involved in or that you were booking? Uh, the worst angle that made it to TV. Um, God, I don't know. I just give me a bad one I, off the top of your head. What comes to your mind? Yeah, well, when you say bad angles, I didn't like the Sid Vicious angle. I didn't like the Paul uh, Romo angle with the Horseman. Um, if you think about it, that was just that was just wasn't us. Not even close. Um, you think about Dean Malenko and Mongo, Mongo fit, and I mean Dean Malenko. Chris Benoit, Arn, I mean, we all got along so well. Long comes Sid. I mean, just, you know, we prided ourselves on our in-ring, on our in-ring ability. 
Um, Romo failed miserably, as did Sid. Um, you know, which is just, it's nothing personal. It just, it is what it is. Um, as far as angles that made it to TV that fell apart, we just talked about the other day. I think the worst thing I've ever seen was the one with, uh, uh, on Flair for the Goals with, um, Shockmaster. Yeah. I mean, that was, just, I felt terrible. He's now there is really a nice guy, but that, that was the end. One and done. It was live. So, there's no way, no way to go back and fix that. So, um, I don't see the problem with Oli when Oli was booking, he thought he just put anybody in there as a horseman. Does that make sense? But I mean, he, what did you say when they, when they revealed Romo that night? Uh, I didn't expect that to be sure. Yeah. Um, it, but isn't the, isn't the backstory to that Blanchard was supposed to be there. And then at the last minute it fell apart and you guys were just scrambling and, that was it, or was there more thought put into it than that? No, well, I, I don't know the backstory. I don't remember Tully not being. A, what, where was Tully at the time that he wouldn't have been there? Uh, he had been to WWF and had kind of been out of the re- out of wrestling uh, on the mainstream with the major companies for a little bit. And I thought the story was he had a deal to come back, and then either a uh, a drug test uh, threw that off, or no, there was the contract amount. He assumed it would be for a much greater amount. Uh, he was insulted with a low ball offer and uh, decided not to come in. So instead, they just thought, well, hey, we've been teasing that this is the last horseman and we're going to reveal the last horseman. Let's just put it with Roma. Or that was what I was yeah. led to believe. Well, it threw me up. I, I mean, I like to think I can remember almost everything. I do remember the reference to the drug test and the contract issue, but... Um, I, I don't ever remember being consulted or asked uh, about Paul Romo coming in, and I it was nothing. Well, I liked Paul personally, but he just wasn't he wasn't in that deal. It just didn't fit. So let me ask. Um, you know, we've never really talked about it. I don't think. Are, are your two least deserving, uh, least favorite horsemen? You know, and we're talking kayfabe, of course, Sid and Paul Roma. Oh yes, for sure. Um, what was your relationship? This is not an ask Nate. This is a Conrad asking. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know why I just referred to myself in third person there. Hey, uh, what was your relationship like with Sid after the whole incident he had with Arn? I never talked to him again. Really? Nope. So even when you guys were in WCW at the end, uh, it was a head nod and that was it. Y'all just went your own way. Yeah, it, was a, it, was, it was an insult to Arn that they even brought him back. We were in Baltimore. They announced he was going to be there. It was an insult to Arn. You know, Arn's never talked to him. So, I mean, just um, the argument, Arn, I was in bed in England when the argument started, but Arn was sticking up for me because Sid was telling Arn and everybody in the bar that I was too old to be there. And Arn said, you know, fuck you. That's the whole story. Um, do you, where do you? So when, when we got back to the states, you know, I told Bischoff, hey, uh, "If you fire Iron, you fire me. I don't care about Vicious, but if I don't fire Iron, you're firing me." So the Iron came back. So there was talk you know? that he was going to be fired for that incident. Who Iron? Yeah, they did fire him for about two days. Oh, I didn't. Know I that said, "You fire him." <laughs> I'm. You won't see me around. 
I got news for you. And then the irony of that was that they put me in the match. The match was supposed to be Vader and Sid, and they fired Sid, and I wrestled Vader. In, what was that, 93? Yeah, at Starcade. Yeah. Um, in, in Charlotte, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of your better matches, I hope, for us to uh, actually sit down and review that one one day. Yeah. Well, all my kids were there, my mom and dad. The ride in the limo with Gene Okerlund. It was really cool the way they did it. The way they built uh, it up, I agree. Huh? Yeah, it was very nice. And Gene, of course, is the ultimate (laughs) pro. Um, It was one of those deals, you know, Leon didn't want to drop the belt, so he had to test me. Harley was screaming at me, hit him back. So I had to start back but you know that's never a position you want to be in but you know um i like leon personally but he tried to be a bully you know it didn't work you know and ultimately it trying to bully people it doesn't work out for you look at the deal with orndorff that was that'll that'll follow him around the rest of his life um speaking of hardware there were flying chairs and everything else this past week after the AEW show did you have a chance to catch any of the AW show and have you heard any of the rumor I, in any window? I have. I've been watching this from afar. <laughs> it's very entertaining. If it's entertainment, the fans want that's entertainment they're getting and punk has given them a lot of it. <laughs> have you spent uh, any significant time with punk? I know you've, you've had a little no. bit of time with him in WWE, uh, but you know, we just barely got to say hi. Right. That's funny. I, I never understood it. I, mean, I was long gone <clears throat> when all the bad blood seemed to appear between he and uh, and Hunter, and then um, the loss with the doctor and all that. I I I wasn't aware of any of that. I just saw, that, of course, like everybody else on social media. And I am, um, you know, I always sided with Hunter on that because I didn't know the didn't know the other guy. So, um, but he's creating excitement now. And if he's not afraid to say it and afraid to, I like the way he said, I'll walk down the hall and be ready. I mean, that's, that's Harley Ray's talking right there. I don't know. I don't know if he's that tough, but <laughs> I love that. that. That old time stuff right there is. <laughs> you don't got, you got a problem with me. You can find me right there in the building. <laughs> well, they did. They found him. And yeah. uh, I, I think the, the whispers are, there's a whole bunch of suspensions and uh, a lot yeah. of folks are going to have hurt feelings and a lot of fallout and maybe there's third parties involved now and it's going to be an interesting time. And I'm curious from your it, perspective, it, it's got to be a divided locker room <laughs> uh, to say the least. Uh, it, it, do you remember being, I mean, we've, we've always heard about personal issues, right? So maybe it was a Jacques Rougeau and a dynamite kid, or, you know, it was a Bret Hart and a Shawn Michaels, but do you remember there being ever like, I mean, Dave Meltzer described this as a melee, you know, it wasn't one or two guys. It was several guys and there's fists being thrown and people are biting each other and chairs are flying. And now really? maybe black eyes, it's a mess. That, that, that serious, huh? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize I, that. Uh, I've heard more than I should probably share here, but I do want to ask. Now, why you would can, you hold back? For well, what stuff in confidence. So or somebody else's podcast. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm in a, I'm in a bad spot because I'm Switzerland, Rick. So if I, if I say anything bad about this company or that company, then but you won't be saying anything bad if you just report what happened. Well, I wasn't there, but, but, but I hear things and people say things and 
you never yeah. know what, what's real and what's not. But I'm curious, you, you've been in a lot of locker rooms. Do you remember there ever being a melee? Like something described? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. I've seen some. In the old days, it happened all the time. Give us an example of uh, of one time you saw just a, a real Pier 6 brawl in the backstage area. You mean in one, it, there are two kinds of brawls. Okay. There's one where a guy will start a fight because he knows it's going to get broken up. Okay. Because there's so many people around. And I would think this is probably the situation with these guys. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like they're walking in the dressing room to talk to Harley Race or Blackjack. That would take a lot of thinking and a lot of talking to walk in to talk to Harley Race about something they don't like as an individual. Right. Or Jack Mulligan. Or Jack Briscoe. I mean, Ole Anderson calling out Jack Briscoe, he still hasn't showed up. Ole. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's easy to say it if you can't be found, but I I actually thought it was pretty cool if, if what I've told, and I don't know anything about who won the fight or who did what, but the fact that Punk said, I'll, I think, I think it, if I'm not wrong, he said, I'll, I'm, I'm here in the building if you want to find me, right? Something like yep. that. Yep. I like that. And it's probably not what, what Tony or anybody wants to hear, but then you know, if he's not if he has the courage to say that and then he feels that strongly about somebody, um, hey, I don't blame him for saying it. And I and, and I, I don't I mean I like Omega and I like the young Bucks, so I don't know what the he could possibly be. They seem to me like really easy guys to get along with, but I don't know them that well and they're all, it's, for me, it's how they treat me as an individual. Right. And they treat me great. I had a chance to be around Kenny a lot when he wrestled uh, Manny in uh, Mexico and really got to know him pretty good. And the Young Bucks have always been awesome. So I don't know. And and CM Punk, I don't know him. So, um, but he said it. And uh, I don't know anything about Cole Commander. That's really, I have no idea what's going on there. He, he seems to be under punks again a little bit, huh? I, I think that's fair to say. I, fair to say. <laughs> I know nothing about that. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's talk I about fed that. him and I decided not to feed him. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're doing ask Nate anything. Wish I, like I could have said that in divorce court. <laughs> You've had plenty of opportunities there. That's for sure. <laughs> I knew I gave you a home run there, brother. Well, listen, maybe you can say it next time. Okay. There's always hope for next time. Uh, we're, we're going to bounce around, talk about a hundred different subjects today. Oh my God. As did Henning and race together. Larry and Larry and Harley. Can you imagine jumping on a heart? Can you imagine getting in a ring with Harley race and Larry Henning? <laughs> I had that experience. <laughs> Get up, kid. Get up, kid. <laughs> He's the just playing with you. He's just playing with you, kid. Don't let him break you. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> you think they can do that now? No. <laughs> what do you think would happen? Just as, a, just as an example, if all that melee was going on in the locker room and Harley Race broke down the door. <laughs> I think everyone would stop what they were doing. <laughs> Everyone would have gone, ah, wider <laughs> ups here, boys. <laughs> He'd have gone, 
kids settle down before I have to hurt one of you. <laughs> That's the way it would have been. <laughs> Same with Jack Mulligan or Dick Slater. <laughs> I've seen some tough guys come through the door. A different time for sure. Yeah. Different people, time, if, same business. Bill Robinson wants to know, what do you call the move when you go upside down in the corner? You know, the up and over. What do you call that? Oh, the Ray Stevens bump. Okay. Ray, I learned it from Ray. And then Sean got where he could do it better. I <laughs> uh, can't believe this is real, but Woo Wings, your very own virtual restaurant concept, is now open and fans can enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with their Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa, right here in Alabama. Many more locations coming soon. As a virtual restaurant, Woo Wings is looking to partner with existing restaurants in major metro areas. Tell your favorite sports bar or local restaurant you want Woo Wings in your town. And to visit rickflairwings.com for more information on how to become a partner. But if you're in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Huntsville, or Tuscaloosa, hop on your Uber Eats or Postmates app and look for Woo Wings and try the only chicken wings worthy hearing the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion, Woo Wings. Be sure to check out rickflairwings.com to become a partner. Now, Nate, uh, moving on, I want to talk about something that happened on AEW TV. There was an interview between uh, CM Punk and MJF, who, who were both great on the mic, and I thought it was a great segment. Yeah. But CM Punk called MJF a less famous Miz. I don't get that. I don't get invoking a guy from the other show, especially when you came over from that show not too long ago. It kind of tells people that the other show is the real show when you say their guy is better than our guy. I, I just didn't get the wisdom of that. Um, I don't know. I didn't think of it. I, I, I thought the segment was so damn good. I didn't really, I, I didn't track that part of it, you know, but you're right. You know, why, why ever bring up the other company? And, and, and I'm saying that on behalf of, of, of both companies and the wrestlers that are WWE or, or AEW. Um, but I'm a big fan of uh, MGF. The kid can talk. And more than that, he carries himself like a pro. He dresses you know, I, I can't emphasize enough how important in my estimation it is to look professional. And that kid always looks sharp. And that and that's I'll leave it like that. Oh, um, no question. I'm I'm a big fan of, of Max as well. I, I just again, you one one thing you would never have, Nate, and, and never have to my knowledge. You'd never hear a WWE guy mention an AEW guy on their TV. That just would not happen. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, I, I believe so. I'm sure. I mean, I mean they, they, Vince would, number one, Vince would go crazy. Some people would probably get fired for doing that. On, but they do it on social media, which for some reason is the criteria that is the do-all, end-all for everybody. <laughs> that makes yeah, sense? Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, a lot of stuff is booked for social media, and I question the wisdom of that. Now, since Punk has been in AEW, and since Brian Danielson's been there for that matter, They've had some odd matchup. They've had some good ones too, but Punk the other night on TV wrestles QT Marshall. And no no knock on QT Marshall, but 
I remember when when Punk and Danielson and Adam Cole came in to Tony Khan said that was like when Hall and Nash came to WCW. Well, I can tell you for certain that when Hall and Nash came to WCW, they didn't wrestle Glacier and Buddy Lee Parker. Uh, no, but they wrestled, uh, you and I talked about this yesterday, they wrestled Bagwell and Scotty Riggs, which meant nothing. But the day that Sting got involved, uh, Kevin and uh, and Scott Hall uh, were made. And, and going back to being tough guys, one of the last tough guys in the business that, that I that I that I can think of is is Scott as uh is Kevin Nash. You never you never saw anybody dick around with Kevin Nash. The Steiners didn't do anything with him. Nobody did. Kevin Nash is a tough kid too. Well, it's it's seven foot. I mean, a legit seven foot. And boy, well, I mean, did you see he posted a picture on Twitter the other day? Of him after a workout, Rick, he's still a monster. Oh, I know. It, it's just—it's incredible the shape that Kev keeps he, himself he, in. Yeah, he, he's he, he's huge in the fitness, but don't you have to remember, Mark? You can't measure a guy's height or his size if you're tough. It's in your heart, right? It's your. It's not how big you are. I can Mad Dog Rashawn could walk into any dressing room for both companies right now at five foot eight and two hundred and thirty pounds. And no one would say shit to him. <laughs> no, trust me. Gagney. Gagney. I see you in the ring. You think you can beat me? Do it. He's talking about Vern Gagne, right? Sweet. This is Mad Dog. Gagney. He didn't call him Gagne. It was Gagney. If you think you can beat me, you take the title. <laughs> Nate, did you know that Kevin Nash once uh, not only blocked the Michael Jordan shot in college basketball, but pinned him to the backboard, pinned the ball on the backboard. I did not know that, but I'll be texting Kevin afterwards. <laughs> uh, so listen, there's been a lot of uh, people talking about the the heat that is MJF and people want to know, you know, what was real? What wasn't, uh, is it a work? Is it a shoot? And you were in some of those pretty tense moments once upon a time with Eric Bischoff. What'd you, you've seen it all. What'd you think of that? Well, I know for a fact with me and Eric, it was a shoot. <laughs> Especially when I came back in Greenville, I was a shoot. Um, you know, we 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 agreed to get along now, but I I just can't imagine, and I think I told you this, I can't imagine if it being a work that Tony would ever let a wrestler in a company talk to him like that. So yeah. I I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I don't know whether it's a work or a shoot. Uh, I guess we'll find out Wednesday if he's there Wednesday or not. Because he, he's a vital part of the, he's a very vital part of the show. So um, I'm sure with the money issue, I'm sure Tony can fix that. Oh, of course he can. What I like about it is people are talking about it. And when yeah. wrestling fans can gravitate to something, and I mean, you and I were together certain places. We won't say where this past week and multiple times people would say, Hey, what about this MJF thing? Yeah. It's what everybody's talking about. So if the, if the, the, if the idea is let's get people talking mission accomplished, the business needs that. Yes. Yeah. It absolutely you, I, just, I, I used to be able to go nowhere here about wrestling. And then, and then they say, well, no one's watching because of the playoffs. Well, that's <laughs> It, it, it just it, it it's in it's insanely difficult 
to maintain storylines that move people enough to keep it in the mainstream conversation of life. Yeah. And those storylines are hard to find. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why those writers, and God bless them, and Vince and Tony and whoever, spend countless hours thinking just like you and I do. You you do five podcasts a week. You know, I mean, I'm just doing this. I've been answering questions. Yeah. You know, but I'm putting a lot of time personally now into getting ready for the, this match in Nashville, which has taken uh, not a physical toll on me, but I'm tired all the time. <laughs> I still make it out for a beer at five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here, let's uh, let's skip to a wrestling question. Here, this is. Uh, from at wrestling question, if you were creating a group and there were only four people left on earth, you and Jeff Jarrett are two of them. Why would Jeff still not be a horseman? <laughs> That's so great. I love that. that this is the thing that keeps on giving man. I don't know. No, absolutely. Jeff could be a horse. could have been a horseman. Jeff's a, a hell of a worker and everything. I, I don't. I don't even, it's funny. I don't remember that though. I swear to God, I don't remember Jeff ever being a horseman. And I, I mean, I can all the name, all the guys I had in there. I don't remember him ever being one. Cause he wasn't there. It is. Yeah. Uh, DM wants to know if you never discovered wrestling, what would you have done? And what are you most proud of in your career? And what are you most proud of outside of wrestling? Uh, outside of wrestling, it would be my two daughters. Well, there you go. Um, Megan and Ashley and their success. Um, personally, boating, fishing, having fun, hanging out with you when you're allowed, <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with Dino and Joe. Um, I, I, I like being on the road, signing autographs. Uh, I'm always going to want to travel. I'm never going to be able to just sit home. So people are stuck with me in that, in that capacity. Um, and I, and I love it's, it's, it's something I'm going to love. I, I love to watch the wrestling. I like, I like to, sometimes I want to say things that I get in trouble for, but make comments on things, but it just, it's not worth it. Um, I even call you sometimes and ask you what you think you say. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I say, can I tweet this guy? And I just say, no, absolutely not. I'm just okay. trying to look out. <laughs> That's why I can't work Twitter myself. <laughs> Amen to that. Roll tied to that. Hey, uh, well, savewithconrad.com can help. You know, here we are, man. It is rumble season. Why don't we throw a couple of house payments over the top there? Savewithconrad.com to show you how to pocket your single biggest for house payments for the next two months. February or in March, you're done until April 1st. And no April Fool's joke here, you're going to get a cheaper monthly payment. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners say five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. But if you're in a 30 year loan, it's not a matter of if I can save you my money, it's a matter of how much. And oftentimes, folks save over $100,000 worth of unnecessary interest just by shortening their term. But check this out. If you got credit card debt, man, I can really save you some cash. We're routinely helping folks get rid of their credit card debt with just a few minutes on the phone with us. 
at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and hey, I want to mention, I've got an A-plus rating with the BBB. You can even read all of our five-star reviews over at ConradReviews.com. There's over a 1,000 five-star reviews there, and our average rating is 4.72 stars. Okay, let's talk about uh, some of today's wrestlers, another weekly segment. And I know you're going to like talking about this guy, Nate. MJF, Maxwell, Jacob Friedman. My man. Very inspired by Roddy Piper. Hey, like, see, he's got the big ring, man, just like the Nature Boy. Now he's got to buy one of these. Well, I see a lot of Roddy Piper in Max. How about you? Roddy Piper? No, not really. I don't see that. I, I, Roddy was like, you know, Roddy was just a boom, 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 real quick. I just spoke to his daughter last night, by the way, so um, I'm catching up with them. But um, I don't see much Roddy in him. I see more me than Roddy. I mean, I, I don't, don't talk, I mean, I'm, I'm not taking away from Roddy. I just ask me who I see more in him. I, I like, Roddy didn't brag, you know, Roddy didn't brag about his clothes and stuff like that. This kid is, you know, which makes him different. He's talking about the material things, or it implies that he has the material things that other people don't have. And that really pisses people off, especially when it's the truth. Well, what I like about Max is he almost never breaks character. Not not yeah. in the ring, not on the mic, not away from wrestling, not anytime. I like that, but today, with the camera everywhere, you gotta be careful too. Oh, absolutely. Especially if he wants to be a little nature boy. <laughs> well, no, you know what I mean. I mean, Nate, how much trouble would you have got if there was social media and Why do you why do you, why do you people keep bringing that up? What makes you think I did something wrong in the old days? Just Why? The, huh? Just the hunch. A lot just of the hunch. Business. I was it, there too. Have you ever been out with me? <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, yes, indeed, I have. Well, no, I Woo! Merry Christmas. I think Max is great. I, he's a heel who isn't trying to be cheered. He just no, that's the key heel. thing. You can't, always I'll tell you a thing. If, if I saw that kid sign an autograph out in the parking lot of the building, I'd never talk to him again. I don't he, think you have to worry about that. No, no, if he's, I, he, he's so damn good at what he's doing, and it really catches my attention. But, you know, I've seen so many guys in the business go, go out and be a heel on TV, and they're out in the parking lot signing autographs. Instead of running to the bar 100 miles an hour, they're walking around to make sure that nobody tweets about what an asshole they are by signing all their autographs. Like a dumbass. What heel signs an autograph? You know what, I used to walk to the airport with Hunter, and, and people think we have right around say, bad guys don't sign. <laughs> Standard answer. Bad boys don't sign. Uh, how, do you, how do you rate Max's work? I think he's I, I think he's it's very physical. I think he's a heel. Yeah, I think it's very good. He works like a heel, and uh, you know, he, 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 when he gets on top of the guy, which is the important thing, he stays on him. He knows when to back up. He knows when to air it with the crowd. Um, by air it, I mean give, give it a chance to breathe before he attacks again. That's a key thing too that a lot of guys don't understand. You gotta give the people, when you got a guy down and you and you have him down, you got it, and the referee's gonna break it. One, two, break, back up. Just don't turn your back on the guy, but back up five feet. Give the audience a chance to breathe and get your breath yourself rather than go in there and, and blow yourself up trying to beat the guy up. 
One good punch, two good punches, three look 10 times better than 20 of these. But I've been saying that for how many years for these kids? 20 shit punches can kill one good one. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. No, and here's an example, which I'll tell the young kids. If there's eight people in the ring, and there's eight people doing something, right? You don't know where the camera is. You have to pretend the camera's on you. Because while one guy's over here nailing a way that looks like a million dollars, there's some other kid over here with throwing punches that couldn't break, a, couldn't break an egg. Does that make sense? They have to all learn to work, especially when there's multiple people in the ring, like the camera is directly on them. And then they start to put together the ingredients where they become a great performer. Uh, Nate, don't get me started. I think there's so many top guys in the business now, top guys on top of the card that can't throw a punch worth a lick. Okay. Drives me crazy. Right, just yeah. drives me yeah. absolutely crazy. But getting back to MJF. If you don't have the fundamentals, and I mean seriously, the fundamentals, which are punching, kicking, eyes, attitude, and appearance, I mean, something that attract you're never going to be, get that, that G for great in front of your name. Uh, MJF's 25. Where's his career go from here? He signed in oh. AEW through 2024. Yes, I think it goes anywhere he wants to go. I hope he has a good business manager, a good agent. Not some dumb son of a bitch like I've had in the past. But someone knows what they're doing and is honest. So you and see him as a very, very top guy? Yes. I yes. do too. Yeah. Now, uh, you either, either company. Well, would WWE dilute his character? What would they do with him when he got No, I, I said as he is. Delivered right. as he is. Excuse me. Right. Yeah. Th that's why... One reason why I would be hesitant to go to AEW... Excuse me, Freudian slip. Why I would be hesitant to leave AEW to go to WWE... I think you have a bigger hand in the creative process in AEW. And I think for a guy who knows what he's doing, like Max obviously does, that's invaluable. Oh, exactly. I wasn't, you just asked me a question. I said, right. he's good enough to be good in either company. Right. That's all I meant. And I, I were him, I, I'm not suggesting he go anywhere. I, I would stay with Tony as long as I could, as Tony was paying me. And I'm sure Tony sees a lot in him or he wouldn't be in the position he's in. <clears throat> and he, yeah. and he, the thing about him, he's just going to get better. And yeah. hopefully, hopefully he stays injury free. Now, you like the way MJF dresses. You've talked about that on this program in the past. And uh, I do, too, with the, you know, with the nice clothes, the scarf, the tie. Mm -hmm. Why is that so unimportant in general in today's wrestling? He's kind of the exception to the rule. Well, I don't know. I, I, I you know, I'm always going to get, I'm always going to tell you that, you know, if I think I influence some people, I, I know I have. Um, but I, I, I like the, the look of Bobby Lashley he does now with MVP and the guys. It's because not everybody can wear jeans and tennis shoes. I mean, it works great for Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns is the handsomest son of a bitch alive. And Roman can wear whatever, but when Roman puts on a suit and tie, he's even a handsomer son of a bitch. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've seen it both ways. For Roman to be casual, have his merch shirt on, walk out in, in probably $2,000 jeans and, you know, $500 pair of tennis shoes. That works for Roman. He can pull it out. Um, I probably, I like, 
I like Charlotte because she, Charlotte spends a fortune, but for her it's work. She dresses immaculately, it's her gimmick, and you've got to live your gimmick either way. But the, with him, not everybody can wear jeans and tennis shoes. You want to make yourself look different somehow. I mean, I, and, and that's just, we have so many people that are dressed the same, um, and, and except for the ring attire, that they all look the same if they don't have, and, and they're trying to get themselves looked at and and get themselves a spot with a promoter, I would I would emphasize either dressing, uh, or doing something a little different with your wardrobe. It's, it's just as essential as it is. Learn how to work in the ring. I, you know, I, I, I've only heard him talk a couple of times. I, I know he was on Joe Rogan, where I guess apparently he said the guys today were soft. <laughs> He can get away with saying that I can't. <laughs> but so you're not going to say they're soft then? No, that I don't. I don't. No, no. It's just it, first of all, nobody's soft in our business. It's a different time. Does that make sense? Yeah. The mark Mark has been where I've been. You know, fifty bucks a night, three thousand miles a week, and that's. Not to mention all the other hardships that go along with it. You know, you sacrifice family, you sacrifice everything. Mark has done that, so that he that's he speaks from a from a side of the business that he knew, as I knew, even alone twenty years before he did, which was even more insensitive. So it's not that anybody is soft; it's just that we like to think that we. we I think in our minds we say, could those could, he, could these guys have done that? Now, Roman Reigns and the Usos, I know could have done it. My daughter, I know could have done it because they would have, their love and their passion and the Samoan people are just incredibly tough mentally, physically. Roman's dad did it. I mean, uh, you see what I'm saying? It's just, you, you grow up in the old school mentality, Randy at work could have done it. His dad, I mean, by Randy's third generation, my God. It just, you don't know that at NXT, I don't know that everybody could do 500 free squats, run two miles, do 250 push-ups and 250 crunches, and then jump off a hayloft uh, onto the ground. The high ground. I think Steiner's kid could, but I I, I feel you. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not saying he couldn't, <laughs> but, but what he, it's, not, it's not that he couldn't, but he, what he want to. Right. Well, who, who wants to drive 3,000 miles for $50 and eat a hard-boiled eggs? <laughs> Pickles. Now, the Undertaker's ring entrance, I think, uh, is one of the best of all time, maybe the best. How much did that help his character? Well, everything enhanced his character, but at the end of the day, it was him. He did it. I mean, just, just the way he had, took off his hat, everything, the whole thing. If you think about it, you just micromanage the whole entrance. The entrance is spectacular, but it's the way he walked, the way he carried himself, taking off the hat, you know, putting it on top of the, when he wrestled Roman, putting the, the uh, his, 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 his uh, uh, coat on, putting it down, putting the hat on top. I mean, incredible. It just, it, I, I, I don't have the words to say. It, it's entirely different than Steve's. Where Steve was power walking to the ring, bah, bah, you know, killing everybody along the way. Um, 
he just, he, it was an entirely different kind of entrance, but equally as spectacular. Did you micromanage your entrance? I felt like you did too. I did somewhat, but the, see, the fans could get to us a lot more <laughs> where you can't really, when the fans are eating you from the time you walk out the door to the time you get to the ring, and you're, you're trying not to get punched. It's kind of hard to, <laughs> to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think you've done fine, though. Now, we're going to talk about Taker a lot more in the weeks leading up to his induction and in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania. But, but let me ask now, how much does the WWE Hall of Fame mean? It's not random, but it's not voted on either. But still, it seems like the highest honor a wrestler can get. Absolutely. I, 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 you know, the, the problem is that it's, to me, I was, a, you know, a, it's hard for me to say the biggest moment of my life. That weekend was the biggest moment of my life. And that's not taken away from Harley or Terry or anything like that. But I mean, you just, to see the people in the audience that really genuinely care about you, the fans that generally care about you. Um, it just, it's hard to imagine. And then you walk away and what'll be, what, what's, what the difference is for me, I, I had, I left the business altogether. Mark will always be part of the business and he'll always be a, you know, a featured attraction when he went, you know, when, when called upon. They had the, the hall of fame for me was the end for him. It's just another great, uh, tribute to a great, to a great wrestler and a great guy. Does any other hall of fame mean as much? No. If it, it, I, it, it, it's just the way Vince runs things. I mean, he makes it a spectacular day, and this will be even more spectacular. It doesn't matter who else they induct this year. They're going to remember Mark. It would be good, I think, if there was a physical Hall of Fame. Don't you, like baseball has, like hockey has, where you could see I, plaques sure, and memorabilia? I'm sure there will be someday. I'm sure there will be someday. Um, that's, all, that, that's all we have to remember ourselves by. Heck, they could have a Ric Flair Hall of Fame. They just have to get contributions from all your ex-wives. Yeah, exactly. At least you know where it was then, right? <laughs> I know where all, this, all the stuff is now. 